So I'll be running around just towel whipping people. Hello and welcome to Chaotic Creations, a podcast where we take weird prompts and make weird Dungeons & Dragons characters. I'm Harper, your lawful nerdy paladin. And I'm Darby, your chaotic tired bard. And welcome to our 15th episode. Darby, do you think our listeners have heard the news yet? Well, if they haven't, we're here to tell you right now. Guess what, dear listeners? We, if you have not already heard, have launched our very own Patreon. What? For more details, you can go listen to the short episode that we published this past Monday. But if you want to support us on Patreon, you can get lots of cool new perks, including bonus episodes, exclusive patron features on our Discord. And if you support us at the highest level, you can even play in one-shot games DM'd by either Darby or me. Harper and I have several different one-shots that we always kind of run through our heads and never quite have a group of people to play with, but you could be that group of people. That's right. So if you would like to support us and what we do here on this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash chaotic pod. In other news, as much as I have enjoyed doing transcriptions, Harper and I are bringing on the lovely AJ to do our transcriptions of our episodes for us. AJ is a good friend and we love that we are now able to work with him. His name is AJ Ray and you can find him for all of your transcription or other voice acting needs at Husha underscore kid. That's H-O-O-S-H-A underscore kid on Twitter. You can also find AJ on TikTok as Husha underscore kid. Yes, you should follow AJ for lots of nerdy cosplay and lumber thirst traps. And finally, Darby, we have a guest on this episode. That we do. The lovely Logan, formerly of Natural Ones Podcast, but now can be found at Tunnel Fission. That's T-U-N-N-E-L-F-I-S-S-I-O-N. Was kind enough to stop by this week and help us create a first for our podcast. And as you know, dear listeners, we're very excited about something that we've never done before. So... Well, I think that we should get into this week's episode and hear what Logan has brought to the table. So, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Joining us today, we have Logan from the Natural One Podcast. Logan, how are you doing today? I am well. I've just been told that we are super in the future now. So, hello past everyone, or future everyone past us. I know that you, Logan, are in Canada, so I hope that it doesn't affect you as much as it might affect us, but hopefully North America is still functional. Let's call it, if North America is not functional, this probably won't get released. So if this is on the waves, then hello, everyone, and how are you? (laughs) (laughs) So, Logan, what first got you into tabletop RPGs? Ooh, man, this is going a long way, like high school. And it was like a natural progression. So I grew up with the like original Xbox release. And so when that came out, everybody was getting onto like Halo and LAN parties and all that kind of stuff. And it just seemed like a natural progression. I don't remember who introduced us to it, but we were immediately hooked. Dungeons and Dragons, like second edition. And then once third edition came out, it was like some of our friends wanted to play and some of us didn't and then I took on the role of being the DM. There wasn't really a story. We didn't really do any of the big things that are happening now. It was more of an excuse to roll dice at one another and make bad jokes. 
Yeah, and it's just, I've had it ever since. I can't get rid of it. There are times when I'll navigate away from it, and then I'll come back. Fifth edition in particular, I wasn't super keen on, and then I watched Critical Role, and then I remembered the joys of it all. And so I've been back ever since then. Multiple different systems, multiple different, like, play groups, just chasing different ideas in storytelling elements and stuff. Critical Role is that catalyst for a lot of people to either start playing or return to playing. Yeah, and I mean, it was such a good highlight of what they had done in 5th edition. I don't know if you've ever played 3.5. I have. I don't think Darby has. There's so many numbers that need to be added together on top of, like, circumstantial modifiers and bonuses and stuff like that. And it wasn't distilled. It wasn't streamlined. And then when they came out with the advantage-disadvantage mechanic, I was like, okay, there's a lot of people that are going to get in on this because it's, well, uh, you get advantage now or you get disadvantage. And that's really all you have to remember. I think it's kind of like this renaissance that's happening where there's a bunch of discussions versus like when I was DMing it was about which trope can you pull on the most and which comic book are you going to emulate and then eventually there was a lot of like monster games where everybody wanted to make monster characters or just take a monster out of the monster manual and play that because we were all super edgy high school kids so (laughs) (laughs) I mean like my first character that I ever rolled up I guess we were doing Pathfinder that we never did anything past the session zero but it was like this rogue max amount of edge everybody has to play that character yeah. everybody has to do that it's like a rite of passage yeah i'm like wow look at that high school angst <laughs> and i'd like draw on my character too and it was not good <laughs> <laughs> i think everyone remembers their first character i also rolled a rogue first but mine was like very happy-go-lucky and she was a circus performer who like specialized in trapeze artistry and knife throwing and that's why she became a rogue nice i was just like i, I want lightness and goodness because all my friends made edgy characters there's a time in your life right when you're going through a lot of changes and you know nobody understands you and this is also like peak 90s right like we're just getting out of like pogs we're moving into the 2000s and the world's a little bit unknown everybody's like playing magic the gathering and it's super dark and really edgy and all that other stuff and it just kind of like seeped into the games that we were playing where a it's a whole bunch of cis white dudes so it was very like well i'm gonna be a general and i'm gonna i'm gonna like take over this land and all this other stuff and we we're like haha this is great no i'm not surprised girls didn't really like us because we were too busy i don't know making stupid jokes <laughs> over and over and over again the gender balance in the groups that i've played in because i've been playing D for the better part of a decade now has shifted dramatically because in the first several groups I was in I was the only girl at the table and for two of those groups I was the DM so there weren't oh, nice. any other female players at the table and all of the dudes at the table were straight white guys for the most part and I was just like it wasn't until I got to college that I found other women who were interested in playing and I was like oh finally I've been missing this and at one point all the players at our table at one point this is a table that Darby and I were at were women and that was the best experience I've ever had. It was amazing. Yeah, I find that just like the stories that dudes are exposed to can be pretty linear. <laughs> and it's like, I'm a big, strong man and something sad happened to me and now I'm on revenge. And then, you know, the next character, like, I'm also a big, strong man and something bad happened to me. So now I'm also on, and you're just like, okay, these are kind of the same stories. But when like women started to get incorporated and in, in, like actively participating and taking charge of the story, uh, just the overall quality got better. We were being forced to ask questions that like, can you solve this problem? problem with something more than just beat them up <laughs> and there's a lot of women that i've played with that are like i'm gonna be with the barbarian and i'm gonna kick the shit out of everybody and everyone was super excited but you know the the discussion now is being elevated 
beyond just such linear solutions as can I break the door down? Yeah. And other like one-off memes like I seduce the door. <laughs> That's what I really liked about I think Critical Role and like watching some other play podcasts or hearing about my friends like games is like the creative solutions they had to problems. It's not just like, oh, there's a bunch of wolves, let's kill them. Someone was talking about, I saw this going around on Twitter, I think, their daughter was playing with her friends and there's a bunch of wolves and he was like, yeah, and then she tamed all the wolves and now they have an army of wolves. <laughs> It's like that kind of solution. It's like, I wish I could do that in a video game, but obviously programmers cannot physically program every possibility that is ever possible in a video game. They can try, but you know, there's only so much you can do, but you can do that in D&D. Your imagination and your roles are kind of the limit of what you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really the draw of tabletop role-playing games and in D&D is the openness of it, where at some point the DM just kind of has to shrug and go, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then figure out how it's going to make sense. And sometimes it's a bargaining thing where you're like, I see playing this way. How do we feel about that? And then that's when the players can chime in and be like, hell yeah, that's awesome. Or maybe something a little bit more in this direction. And then the story evolves and expands and explodes from there. So we've talked a bit about some of the things that you like about tabletop and what brought you into it. But I mean, this is a podcast about characters that we make yeah. when playing tabletop. So who do you think yeah. that your favorite character that you've ever created is? So as a forever DM, I answered it with a lot of, I guess, the classic NPCs that I've made. Yeah, so in all the games that I run, there's always like some form of self-insert. I need to be able to participate in the game more like over and above the narrator. Sometimes you need to nudge people, you know, the kind old grandma, the like, like overly helpful potion seller around the corner or something like that. And in the first season of the Natural One podcast, I made a, a magic flying ship. So homebrew world that was randomly generated had a lot of islands and there was a lot of water, so they needed a ship. Well, the ship needs to be more than just a plot device. It needed to be a character inside the story. So there was an idea that like the ship gets a vote and then that manifested as quite literally the ship had a personality. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice because the players that I was playing with, like some of them had super edgy stories and like there was end of the universe pressure kind of like pitting them against each other. And I was like, well, I'm going to make the ship just this nice fuzzy warm blanket. And it was an NPC called Carrick. And the story of Carrick was he was a bard who had some ability, basically super famous, had a whole bunch of plays. One of the characters had known him by name. And then as they progressed, they realized that the ship actually had an insert of the copy of what Carrick was. So Carrick was off doing something who knows what Carrick was. And this NPC basically like is a like a ship hologram, a good way to describe it, where they would ask it questions and it would pop up and help them out and try and nudge them in certain directions. And he's just super helpful. And it was a way for me to just like hug my players in the game and be like, it's, it's okay okay, maybe you should just try and be friends. And then, yeah, so he was like this projection and the ship itself was called the Osprey. And then at the end of the first season, the season didn't really have a title. And then at the end of it, we felt it was appropriate to call it the Ballad of the Osprey because the Osprey itself was literally moving the players around. And there's a, like, I won't spoil it, but like there's a big backstory with the who Carrick was and he's directly related to a villain at some point in the future. But if somebody wants to go listen to it, 
there's that, but Carrick was just a really nice palette cleanser where it wasn't the first PC or NPC I created where I was specifically like, this is the sad man, he's gonna be sad all the time, he's gonna move the character along. No, it's like he's genuinely a nice guy and then some sad stuff happens to him later on, but he chooses to be the bold face and still be helpful and not, you know, succumb to traditional vengeance story lines because he's aware of them because he writes stories and he goes, that's too trite, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> it's too cliche. <laughs> And I'm anything but a cliche. <laughs> I love it. I love how creative you get to be, especially when you're the dungeon master and making characters and who they get to be in the world. I love the idea of a bard becoming a ship hologram. That is so cool. And it was a slow reveal too, right? So like they get the ship and then like six or seven episodes later, the ship turns out to be magic. And then 15 episodes later, now there's just this dude. And like, <laughs> it's the slow burn that like eventually all these things show up. But in the beginning, when we finished the first season, every once in a while, I would slip into the voice that I used for Carrick and like my girlfriend would be like, don't you talk to me like him. Don't you break my heart again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I know that you mentioned being a forever DM. Well, now is the portion of the show that I think every DM, speaking as a former forever DM myself, now I blessedly get to play, but every DM lives for is making a player character. Oh, I'm so ready. I'm excited. When the call went out and said, like on Twitter, does anybody want to do this? I wanted to push people out of the way. I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I have ideas. I want to make a character. And you came up with a very interesting idea, which I know some people do, and we love it because it is maximum chaos potential. Mm, absolutely. Where instead of picking a race or class or background first and then rolling stats, you want to roll all six of your stats in order and then make decisions based on that. I sure do. I have new dice specifically to give this a shot. Very excited about that. But yes, I believe, like, there's so many times that you develop all the characters, right? At some point, you're just like, I don't, I don't care. I'll play any of the classes. It doesn't matter to me. So at some point, you just got to let the dice decide. And I like the idea of a fresh sheet being empty, and then you put the numbers to it, and then it all starts to flow from there. Ah, uh, yes, it's all coming together. <laughs> all right. So as a refresher for Logan and also for others who might be new to the way we make characters here, the way that we roll our stats on Chaotic Creations is we roll 4d6. You can re-roll any one that you roll and then you're gonna take the three highest numbers and add them together and that's one of your stats okay so 11 strength 12 dexterity 17 constitution 14 intelligence 16 wisdom and a nine charisma now we are leaving race up to you and racial bonuses could play a big factor here yeah it depends on how min maxi i want to get versus where i want to go i think in terms of class there's some part of me that is like we need to minimize our maximums at least a little bit you know that 17 constitution and 16 wisdom is saying something along the lines of a druid probably shape-shifting i could do some weird stuff with that or maybe a cleric uh that's not so bad funnily enough the two classes that harper and i play in our campaign yes that is true i play the cleric and darby plays the druid and we are going to level four you yes. said right yes but the caveat that we say is that the dice giveth <laughs> and you get what you get. <laughs> yeah. So at level four, instead of taking an ability score improvement, we ask that you pick a feat. I really like the idea of like a drunken master monk where like super high constitution, just like a big old boy, like sits around all the time
time eating rice and like quoting philosophy. So, you know, a 12 dexterity, we can work with that. That's fine. <laughs> but I, I, mm -hmm. I like the idea of maybe a supporting element. Let's explore the monk. I want to know what that feels like. Okay. So we're leading toward monk. So in order to do that, to give myself a fighting chance, I need to increase my dexterity a little bit, which... Mm -hmm. I think maybe halfling would be the way to do it. Yes. I'm thinking, so now we have a, a halfling monk. I can get that dexterity to like 14. Already have a really good constitution and wisdom. Plenty of extra abilities there. Plus the lucky and then naturally stealthy. There's some good sneaking going on here with our halfling. Are you thinking of any subrace of halfling in particular? Maybe the lightfoot. So I'm very brave. All right. Ooh, actually, let's go, if we go ghost-wise, then I get the plus one wisdom, right? And let's let's stack it all up mm -hmm. there, so that's good. And you're super stealthy. <laughs> Which, you know, is never bad for a monk to be stealthy. Yeah. It's true, that's very true. So with my 11 strength means I'm, I'm mediocre there. A final dexterity score of 14, which is good. Constitution of 17, intelligence 14, wisdom 17. So constitution and wisdom, you know, those are primed to get turned into 18s at some point. And and then a charisma of nine. Mm -hmm. I just, I genuinely like the idea of like a little drunk monk, a drunken master. Is that a archetype that I can take? Yes, yeah, so we've got way of the drunken master, which you will be able to, because we're making fourth level, you will be able to get the drunken technique class feature. Oh, perfect. I love it. Which is that whenever you use flurry of blows, you also get to disengage. <laughs> Perfect. And increase your walking speed by 10 feet until the end of your turn, which is great for a halfling because they yeah. are tiny little legs. I think we should call it the stumbling distance. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be doing a lot of walking, to be perfectly honest. Stumble out of the way. I will say that when you said that you were thinking about monk, I looked at the wisdom score and I was thinking, oh, you know what would be very interesting is a spell casting monk. Hey, that's not a bad idea. What do you think? Dash on a bit of cleric, maybe? <laughs> Could be interesting, yeah, because I feel like, well, there are different monk paths as well that I feel are much less popular. People tend to really like Drunken Master and Open Hand because they're the kind of objectively most damage dealy. But there are a couple of the monk subclasses that kind of delve more into the wisdom and spellcasting mm -hmm. background of the monk. Oh, okay. Making it kind of almost more akin to a paladin and how much they utilize that spell ability. Because yeah. for the most part, monks don't really use their spells mm -hmm. and they have access to a couple. Yeah, Way of the Four Elements is pretty good. I can see some good stuff coming out of Way of the Four Elements. And I mean, you know, Fangs of the Fire Snake, Fist of the Four Thunders. Those are really good options. Sun Soul, I think, yeah, just has like the radiant sun bolt. So you just shoot light out of your hands. Which I personally love, but it's not everyone's <laughs> cup of tea. I play a cleric who worships a sun god. So I'm always down for that light imagery. But... <laughs> Praise the sun! What's the deal with the, the long death? What is that? Excruciating pain? Mmm. Mm, they capture creatures and prepare elaborate experiments to capture, record, and understand the moments of their demise. Mmm. Mm. So this is like a bit of a mad scientist monk route. Like a vampire, almost. At level three, it allows you to extract vitality from another creature as it nears its demise. Mm, that's a little too edgy, I think, for this guy. That's so much edge! <laughs> <laughs> I almost cut myself on it. Uh, if we were to, like, if we could go way of the four elements, then we could take inspiration from Avatar The Last Airbender. Isn't that everyone's dream, to just be in the Avatar universe? Everything was fine until the Fire Nation attacked. 
Water Whip. Ooh, wow, that's pretty good. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Water Whip might actually be an attack that they learn in Avatar. Yeah, I mean, like, that's from the scroll that Katara stole from the pirates that had a waterbending technique written on the scroll. It was like that Water Whip, and she spent so long trying to master it, and then it's just... Well, when she did figure it out, that's 3d10 bludgeoning damage plus an extra 1d10 bludgeoning damage that you expend for each additional key point. That's pretty crazy. Mm. I mean, so it's a dexterity saving throw, so you can't crit on it, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But if you were to spam it or find some way to give disadvantage on deck saves, that's a pretty reliable amount of damage there. Plus it's 30 feet, so I'll be running around just towel whipping people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. when you do get to play this character, you have a party as long as you have cleric they can impose disadvantage on people for things right mm. like bane that's bane yeah impose disadvantage on saving throws is bane disadvantage or just minus a d4 oh it might be just minus a d4 or... yeah but you could do things like entangle i think entangle gives you disadvantage or like automatic fail you could just paralyze them and not have them roll anything at all many different ways that we can impose dex disadvantage on people You know, purely because I like Avatar The Last Airbender, let's go in the direction of Way of the Four Elements. All right. I'm looking at what we get at fourth level, and I think it might be of value to, like, go Monk 3 and then maybe Cleric 1 (laughs) to go real... Like, now I'm just a hypermobile cleric, and we just move away from, like, a slow fall and a feat. Yeah, okay, I'm willing to sacrifice that in order to get just a little bit of a cleric splash. I think that Monk and Cleric have a lot of really good opportunity for multi-class, because they have the same spellcasting stats. You know, it's really easy to make a background that works for both of them. It's just a monk that comes from a religious order of some sort. I think that'd be interesting to explore. I like it. Mm. And then keeping with our four elements theme maybe going the nature domain Mm. so things like animal handling nature survival that's pretty good throw in i mean you get access to the druid craft cantrip which can have an infinite number of uses ah yes or go into primal savagery shape water even shillelagh throw shillelagh on a monk staff actually incredibly powerful (laughs) (laughs) okay I do love Druidcraft. I use it extensively. I really like the way that this is shaping up. So with our level three way of the four elements monk and then first level cleric domain multi-class. Shillelagh turns, instead of using strength for the attack rolls, you use your spellcasting modifier. So that's wisdom. So now I'm hitting with wisdom as a bonus action, as well as extra kung fu strength, and then also key enabled strikes and spells and stuff. This individual's turned into a Swiss army knife mm-hmm. of good stuff. Yeah, there we go. We love it. We love to see it happen, folks. Well, in keeping with philosophy then, definitely needs some history, probably mm-hmm. needs some acrobatics. If I can find a way to get athletics absolutely but i would prefer acrobatics over athletics because i I feel like i have morning stretches not morning Mm -hmm. (laughs) push-ups definitely i get random supplies great i'm proficient in brewer supplies just as a reference to the first version of the build for drunken master (laughs) i do love the brewer supplies i think it's my favorite of all of the artisans tools you can be proficient in so i mean taking the nature domain means i am an acolyte of nature i have shillelagh as a bonus which i think means now we're looking at the background so for someone who is both a monk and a cleric probably coming from some kind of order 
Definitely. Acolyte seems right, but I, I want to see what else there is. There could be Cloistered Scholar. Hermit, maybe? Uh, one of the things that I had been meaning to try and get into was like ancient Greek philosophers also happen to be like bodybuilders and wrestlers. I think it'd be very interesting to be like the philosopher, the nature enthusiast who could also like choke slam you. <laughs> yeah. I'll drive you. <laughs> I will destroy you with facts and logic and also my toned abs. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe like a cloistered scholar or acolyte would be pretty good mm -hmm. what does cloistered scholar give me here maybe perception mandatory need one of those and then religion that's cool some languages let's pick the, the standard ones the ones that will always throw people off like yeah i know abyssal whatever you want to <laughs> fight about it my background feature is just literally library access great <laughs> i'm a philosopher monk with a library card might as well call myself franklin you know what is it fun is it hard when you've got a library card <laughs> having fun ain't hard for all my arthur stands out there <laughs> monks get so many level up bonuses it's nuts also you don't get a feat i guess right if you take three one no that's right because you won't have gotten to fourth level in any particular class and i'm okay with that that is a sacrifice i'm willing to make some of you may die but that is a sacrifice i am willing to make <laughs> <laughs> well, in terms of spells, guidance, that's obviously, I feel like that's the only thing this character is going to be casting. Let's think about that. Let us pray. <laughs> uh, a little bit of light, because you're going to need that in case people are blind. Plus, I don't think I have dark vision. As a halfling, no, you should not. I don't believe so. That's tough. And then thaumaturgy, because the possibilities are endless. I will say that I've only used thaumaturgy once as a cleric so far, and I, we just got to level seven. Mm. So the possibilities have been there, and I have not taken them. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the other spells that I want to take are Cure Wounds. It's pretty standard. Mm -hmm. A Detect Magic. You never know when that's going to be important. Guiding Bolt and then Sanctuary. Just as like a, a multitude of options here. Sanctuary to say, I don't want to play this game anymore. No, thank you. Like, I'm going to leave. Bye. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good luck hitting me. Yeah, right? And then I have the ability to disengage and all that other stuff with Step of the Wind. So that's nice. So, I mean, my Unarmed Strike is plus four at a d4 plus two that's not super bad but i mean i'm a level four character of 35 hit points i'll take that that's pretty nice and i mean that is the standard i didn't roll for it so if you were to roll for it you could go higher or lower we take the average we have enough randomness yeah. Yeah. on our show as yeah. it is so the thing I like, though, is that I have so many bonus actions. So bonus action, Shillelagh, bonus action, Flurry of Blows, Patient Defense, Step of the Wind, Unarmed Strike. You know, that Unarmed Strike is for free. So, you know, Shillelagh it up and then hit somebody with it. And then if you have a bonus action, reach out and touch somebody. Lots of different options there. Proficient in history, nature, perception. Spend a lot of time looking around. I feel like I would spend a lot of time, like, looking at leaves and things and asking questions people don't readily know the answer to, like, the tree falls in the woods doesn't make any noise <laughs> probably has a walking stick i also imagine someone who's like older okay what's the average life of a halfling 150 years i think so yeah so i would say like middle age then i would call it he would be 75 maybe getting closer to like 90 who like seen the world seen some things keeps up with the order and stuff but definitely isn't as strict on his diet as he should be somebody who wants to slow down and smell the roses and then also has like a wicked drinking history so that's where the like constitution and the wisdom and stuff come from. Spends a lot of time uh, drinking his own supply. Mm -hmm. If he had a wagon, there would definitely be a still on it. 
I'm blending a lot of inspiration here. <laughs> now, have you thought of a name for this character? That's the part I'm working on because do I lean hard into the monk or the cleric or like Lord of the Rings hobbits? where it's something make you confused necessarily, like Barry Willowbrook, and then you see him like do a backflip off of a flaming building or something like that. Such important questions. Let's see what the randomizer has to say. <laughs> I don't like any of these. I need a unassuming name followed by two probably hyphenated nouns, I think would be a good way to do it. I'm going to my absolute favorite website, which is fantasynamegenerators.com. <laughs> Perfect. Seeing what they have to say about halflings. Like a B or an H, a nice soft sounding. How about Otbert? Ooh, oh, I'll take that. Otbert Forest View. Perfect. There we go. Yeah, get the, you know, like circle back around the elements theme. Otbert has a certain like cutting to it. It'll stick out in your head. Oh, Otbert. <laughs> and I mean, we are talking someone who came from a religious order, monk, cleric. Do you have a particular god in mind from the D&D &D setting or from lore and mythology or even just one that you're thinking of the top of your head? Personally, I would see Otbert following something of like all the elements combined, like something about maintaining the balance between the different elements and when relying on one, like fire is important, but too much fire is bad. Water is important, but too much water is bad. Focusing on that style of Pantheon. The Changebringer. And the Changebringer, mm -hmm. like that's kind of the opposite of what he's about. It would be about kind of like maintaining the status quo. Which is interesting because she typically is, if I remember, the goddess that halflings tend to gravitate towards. Yeah, because they're, they're like chaotic little gremlins, right? Like the whole idea of them having the halfling luck is because they're always looking to change things. So it just, it seems natural that he went, nope, that's way too tiring. <laughs> Let's keep everything the same. Afternoon naps for everyone. Going more off the theme of balance, it's not as connected with nature, mm. but there is a deity called Argental. Tell me more. So he is one of the gods, kind of in the same vein of Arathis, where it's mm. like civilization. Argental is the god of balance and justice. I'll take that. So his thing is that he doesn't really interfere too much in the mortal world, but he favors those who want to preserve balance. So he's true neutral. I think that's good. I would take that. Okay. A true neutral, he'll probably be something like neutral good, where leaning more towards the preservation of life and that really being the only thing that matters. And in order for life to thrive, it has to be balanced, where sometimes a portion of a forest does need to burn in order to have seeds sprout anew, things like that, to clear the way for a new life. I could also see it getting into some awkward moments where the truest of neutral directions, because he has a god that is probably not the most prevalent, maybe not a lot of areas that worship him to get into interesting discussions about like if the werewolf eats the farmer's livestock I don't really care that's like yes it's life feeding on life but that's maybe something like it's predator versus prey and maybe I don't get involved in that mm -hmm. versus like someone who's looking to subvert the natural order of things or about like maybe the werewolf was being driven mad and directed that I have to spend a lot of time refining the circle that is what is neutrality to Otbert you know what I mean that's a tough thing to play in that chaotic neutral 
natural space and to have mm-hmm. a god that's just like yeah there's material planes over there but i don't visit i think that's really interesting though because you've been talking about a character who's very invested in philosophy so i think a character whose kind of arc is finding what is neutrality and what that means because i mean i've talked to a lot of people about the alignment chart which in itself is a flawed system but what neutrality actually means varies from person to person so i think this cleric and monk's journey to discover like what does it mean to be truly neutral could be an interesting thing to explore that could be the reason why he left the monastery in the first place which is Mm -hmm. to to discover more about the world and understand that in order to do something important you have to be engaged but that style of engagement can tip the scales maybe he felt that in order to preserve the way things were supposed to be he needed to stand by and he watched some good things and bad things happen and went if i can influence the better things and try and tamp down the bad things then that would be worth stepping out of the comfort zone but very like let's all just get drunk and have a good time everyone relax kind of a big squishy teddy bear type of character small squishy teddy bear yeah that's fair i am quite wee (laughs) so with his connection to nature do you think because i mean i mentioned argental is not necessarily really connected to nature per se do you think that has to do with this particular monastery and the way that they worship or do you think that this is something else in his personality that draws him toward that particular side of things. I feel like this monastery would have multiple avenues of investigation. Like they would have scholars that talk about the heavens and they would have scholars that talk about the hells and the abyss and like all the other pieces of cosmology. And I feel like he just is naturally drawn towards the more natural side of it. That way, whoever the DM would be, if I was building it, I would build the monastery as reflections of the different monastic orders. So like one set of the order is really big into like the long death and another one is all about open hand and the other one is the Kensai with the weapon fighting and all that stuff. And you could take all of those different things under one big monastery who seeks to understand. And I just come from the one, like me and my other master's thesis hobbits or whatever it is, we're hanging out in the quad playing with trees. And then I like the idea of like cut to the catacombs and there's these these monks downstairs like punching rats to death to determine what would be the most efficient way or something like that. <laughs> yeah, monastery otherwise known as grad school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To me, it just feels like a halfling grad school like you apply to the monastery of just like figuring it out like upward shrug i don't know we'll try Mm -hmm. and then his master's thesis maybe he unsuccessfully defended it and then decided ah screw you i'm out of here i'm gonna go do it my way (laughs) i love it okay so he's a former grad student not a master yet yeah, like he's working on mastery. Oh, good. That's a wonderful a double pun where master in the monastic order and masters both in the like scholastic order. God, so much world propping up around this little dumb guy. He's not too dumb. He has a 14 intelligence. That's true. That might be why he didn't defend his master's level thesis. He like rolled a one or something like that <laughs> and had to, has to start again. Maybe he's just taking a, taking a break, you know? He's like, you know what? I need more like real life experience and then just didn't come back. Yeah, he left for his externship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had insufficient research because he could only work with one grove of trees and three trees doesn't count as a forest and was an insufficient amount of data for him to defend his thesis that for the world to thrive, we needed to not interfere at all. And the other masters just like poked a bunch of holes in it. And he was like, well, I'm going to go find a bunch of trees. So yeah, <laughs> and then 40 years later, just <laughs> didn't come back. He got lost. Yeah. He likes to wander. I like it. If you're open to it, Logan, we can go into the background that you chose, which I believe you said was Acolyte. 
cloistered scholar so that way i got my library card there we go and that works as a master's student so we'll go into the cloistered scholar personality bonds ideals and flaws cool i feel like you've gotten a pretty good idea of who this character is but that'll help us flesh it out just that little bit more no for sure i'm all about it that sounds great and you can either roll for it or you can just look and see which one you like the best I feel like we've already shaped so much of his personality. Let's just use it kind of like a menu. Otherwise, I'd be a chaos goblin and be like, let's roll for it and figure it out. But we stumbled onto the flavor that we liked. So I I think uh, let's see what if we can. Ooh, that'd be really good. So in the personality traits, number five, I'm willing to listen to every side of an argument before I make my own judgment to the point of purposefully going through and like a town of 100 people and two people are in an argument. He has to go and talk to every single person in the town to get a full understanding, even if 80 of them are like, I don't care about who owns the cow. He's hoping to stumble on some like little kernels of wisdom, literally no stone unturned. Mm -hmm. He's a very thorough individual. I love it. That reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever read the Divergent series, but we learn about how one of the factions Amity makes decisions and they do true consensus where every member of the population has to engage in discussion and agree on one solution together. And it can apparently take days sometimes. That makes sense. So then would number one for ideal, given that knowledge seems important? No, for sure. Yeah, the path to power and self-improvement is through knowledge. You nailed it. Absolutely. Bonds. My life's work is a series of tomes related to a specific field of lore. Or I've been searching my whole life for the answer to a certain question. I I think that's a good one to add in. The question we need to be reasonably vague enough that it would just, I'm still figuring it out. I have stacks Mm -hmm. of journals that I mail back to the monastery for safekeeping. And the, the point of like breaking down each portion of the question and like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but it's an acting exercise. You take a sentence and you try and place the emphasis on a different word inside of that sentence to generate a different context around it. I feel like he's on the question and he's like, for the past two years, I've been working on the pronunciation of the, <laughs> the, the, oh, man. the, that kind of like, like how, how deep can we break this down? Yeah. How pedantic can we possibly be about this? Sounds like the people I dislike the most in college. I was going to say, it sounds like every philosophy student that I have ever met. Yeah. Oh, man. If a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, this would really make a sound. And you've just been interviewing lots of people. You're like, what is a tree? And you spent like 10 years on trees and researching all these trees. (laughs) You know, I think what is a tree is probably a fair question (laughs) because I don't actually know which plants technically count as trees sometimes. Sparky, I suppose? I don't know. What really is the difference between a tree and a bush when you get down to it? Height. There are some big bushes. That's a really good question. Uh, And also, there's some trees that are one entity where it's a multiple root structure that just pop up. And there's other ones, entire forests, that are multiple trees. Now, is that one huge tree life maybe more important than an individual tree? We could spend a lot of time getting into this. I don't know if we have time to fully break it down, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm sure that Otbert is going to spend his life doing that. (laughs) I heard of a new tree off in the distance. I must journey there. I'm sending you my 17 journals I have taken on notes on trees and their various locations and how many leaves they had. I counted all of them. I've included some pressings. The monastic, you know, because it's just like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, the most agitated master getting more packages from Otbert where he's just like, ugh. 
and it's a beautiful script. It's like, Master, I am one step closer to answering the riddle that is the tree. And I'm sure, like, it would be such a, I would leave it open-ended to the DM, but my big question as a person would be like, what happened to all of the journals? Is there a room that they've been kept with? Have they just been thrown out? Have they been thrown underneath? Are they in drawers? <laughs> Because uh, that would be heartbreaking if none of the journals were there when he went back. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, that's a really fun thing that a DM could throw in to add a character-driven side quest. Is like a, you get a letter from your professor saying, okay, there's too many journals. You need to get here on the next two weeks or I have to clean it's them like, out. Yeah. You're going to have to pick which ones are more important. <sighs> we have to go. Find a way to store them all here without taking up three rooms or they are all going in the trash. <laughs> Cut to Otbert just investing in a portable hole. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the point. How many bags of holding can I carry, DM? <laughs> well, they only weigh 15 pounds, so, you know, even with the strength of 11, you should be able to carry two. Theoretically. What about a flaw? Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be good, like, six. I can't keep a secret to save my life or anyone else's because he's so about the free flow of knowledge. He doesn't differentiate which knowledge is private and not important and which ones are super important and, like, big secrets and stuff because he's hoping that through this free flowing of information that like you'll stumble upon a bigger question or a bigger answer to the bigger puzzle. I particularly like that because the lowest score you have, your negative modifier is in charisma. So this is a person who cannot lie whatsoever. Or persuade, probably mm -hmm. like spends a lot of time inside of themselves. Likely a big introvert, like likes just to sit by the campfire drinking, like mulling the idea of a tree over, let alone. The next big problem is falling. What does that even mean? Does falling mm -hmm. then imply that you were at a greater height and you're in the process of descending uncontrollably to a lower height? Uh, you know, what is gravity? What is earth? Uh, what am I? <laughs> These are important, challenging questions. It's true. Why do you think this massive introvert decided to join up with a party? I mean, I don't want to get ahead of whatever context could be influenced into that, but I would say if the party has a druid, that's an easy in <laughs> where he just was like, hey, you talk to trees? Can we? That's a big problem. Do they have personalities? Can a tree emote? If the tree cried, would it be sad? <laughs> If you have feelings, <laughs> if your tree has feelings, can I you ask it certain questions for me? Is it moral to cut down trees? They're living sentient beings and we use trees. He's just like looking at his journal that's like made of paper. He's like, ah! <laughs> what have I done? Eventually he transitions over into clay tablets and he just sends them off one by one to the professor. They're like, oh, this is worse. Yeah, things like that are really anything. Like it's always good it, because he's so about the free flowing of information. I could easily see him joining in in a party for like conversation and just be like hey like I'm I have a little caravan with my still in the back I'm going that way if you guys need a ride and then all of a sudden everybody gets attacked and he sees how the party is like moving in a certain direction or whatever it is and it would be pretty easy like as a meta level like as a player to say oh I'm just joining because I just want to talk to them a lot mm -hmm. and then eventually when some sort of big evil bad thing shows up to be like I'm against that for knowledge reasons <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure there would be a little bit more of an organic way. Honestly, I could see being able to explain Otbert getting into any sort of problem really easily. Just play the knowledge card over and over and over again. Well, it sounds like you have made a very interesting character. Oh, thank you. We have never had a multi-class before because we do only make oh. up to level four. So most people choose to go straight for one class. So this is very interesting. I'm happy to bring that up. In my playgroup, multi-classing is pretty much mandatory. We look at, just in the meta, mm -hmm. 
everybody multi-classes and we call it the splash and there's like a few of the classes that we've looked at that are like a warlock cleric fighter and barbarian are like the main ones that are like you want to splash you splash any of those ah. like if you have the stats for it do it splash barbarian get yourself some resistance splash warlock get yourself an eldritch blast like splash cleric you get the cleric domain first level it fits pretty neatly on top of pretty much anything even if it is not the same i only have one game right now of D that i'm running and it's we have an assassin and the assassin has decided to take grave cleric so she's hyper mobile incredibly deadly and then is also within range to do like maximum effect healing word when inevitably one of the players goes down so it's you know like those main classes i think are really good splashes for pretty much anything that's awesome thank you for bringing a splash of that into our podcast no problem happy to be of service so here at the end of our podcast logan is there anything that you would like to plug yeah instead of plugging my own i would like to plug two other podcasts i'm huge fan of. So the first one is The First Watch, which is on YouTube, and they do something a little bit different, which is why I like to plug them. Andrew is a video production guy, and everyone else is doing like the TTRPG podcast and stuff. So he has a multi-camera tabletop role-playing game show that he produces entirely on his own. So I would love to give a shout out to him and his crew. It's all on YouTube, and it's wonderful, and he's like very active on Twitter, and he's very active on YouTube. They do like premieres and stuff, which is really nice. And then the other one is tabletop role-playing game adjacent Girl Meets Nerd podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but Megan and Tristan are good people and they're being wonderful ambassadors for this whole hobby. So if you're not interested in the actual play portion of it, because there's like a a thousand actual play podcasts out there right now, but Megan's journey into nerddom is wonderful and it's great to follow through. And she's, having been on her show as well, a natural interviewer. So the the discussions that she and Tristan get into are top-notch. Excellent. Okay. Well, our listeners, go and give a listener a watch to those shows as well. It's First Watch and Girl Meets Nerd. And Logan, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm going to keep Otbert. You can't have him. He's mine now. <laughs> and if I ever play in a D&D 5th edition game, I'm probably going to play Otbert because that is awesome. That's all for this week. Be sure to join us next week for another Chaotic Creation. Chaotic Creations is created, produced, and hosted by Harper Hayes and Darby Pack. Editing is by Harper Hayes, and web design is by Darby Pack. The art is by Kiku Hughes. You can find on Twitter at Kiku Hughes, and the music is by Kevin McLeod. Transcriptions are by AJ Ray. Find him on Twitter at Usha underscore kid. If you like what we do, please support us on patreon.com slash chaoticpod for awesome perks, including bonus content and exclusive access. If you want to chat with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at chaoticpod. You can also join our Discord server by going to our website, chaoticpod.com, or via our link tree in our Twitter bio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. It helps new listeners to find us. And tell your favorite nerdy friend about us. It's the best way to help us grow. Thanks for listening.